two, one. You should introduce the show. I am. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight to Star Chat. I'm your host, David Wallace, working with my dear friend Lowell Johnson on Starbuck Lightworker. Tonight, we're going to talk about lots of interesting things. First thing, though, let's go back a couple of episodes of Star Chat when we were talking about space belligerence and space trash. And then the big gift from the FCC of uh, beginning to finally start finding rogue satellite companies for leaving their trash in space without taking any responsibility for it. Well, NASA, this is as of November 21st, 2023 on Scientific American, NASA may pay $1 billion to destroy the International Space Station, and here's why. The International Space Station, which is larger than a football field and weighing almost 450 tons, must eventually fall to Earth. It's a delicate, dangerous process. For nearly a quarter century, the International Space Station has continuously hosted astronauts and science experiments as an enduring and beloved bastion of humanity in low Earth orbit. Remember, we talked about LEO. Yet, despite its successes, the space station's days are numbered. In the coming months, NASA will be evaluating commercial proposals for vehicles capable of decommissioning the ISS. That is evaluating commercial proposals for vehicles capability of decommissioning it and of safely dropping it into Earth's atmosphere to burn up. Well, isn't that funny? NASA thinks that they're going to take a football field's worth of radioactive material and lithium and burn it up safely in the atmosphere. Let's have a look at that. So the International Space Station uses what's called a P4 Li ion battery, and that stands for lithium ion. Now, P4 is a very specialized battery. They're very large. Uh, starting on March 22nd in 2019, P4 channels a, a, uh, 4A operating in mixed configuration and channel 2A operating with only lithium ion batteries. The batteries have been performing after 3,400 LEO cycles and a lithium-ion battery being operated at an EOCV of 3.95 volts. So the cells are quite big and they're quite heavy. And uh, if you look at the lithium-ion battery pack replacement unit, it's uh, very, very interesting. It sits on a cast steel uh, bed and it has canvas wrapped around it for transport. It has an EVA tether for deploying it uh, from space to uh, uh, connection or from ship to ship. So the EVA tether is a giant steel ring built in the center of the battery, and that's connected to the base. But the battery itself weighs 435 pounds. That lithium battery weighs 435 pounds. That's... Uh, Pretty remarkable, especially since there's anywhere between six and eight of these lithium-ion batteries that weigh 435 pounds operating at any time on the space station, International Space Station. Well, if you multiply 435 times six, you end up with some, some big number like 2,010 pounds. That's 2,010 pounds of lithium. Oh, there it is. 435 times 6 is, oh no, 2,610. So we have, uh, looks like a ton and a quarter, a ton and a quarter of lithium. 
that they're saying is safe to burn up in the atmosphere. Well, unfortunately, uh, lithium, when it's uh, combusted, produces a very highly toxic fluoride gas. And that comes from lithium ion battery fires. Lithium ion battery fires generate intense heat and considerable amounts of gas and smoke. Although the emission of toxic gases can be larger threat than the heat, the knowledge of such emissions is limited. Hmm. This paper, and this is an abstract, uh, and we'll go back to, all right, this is from Scientific Reports, which is a university and mainstream institutionalized abstract think tank where you submit scientific papers for approval by PhDs all over the world. This paper presents quantitative measurements of heat release and fluoride gas emissions during battery fires for seven different types of commercial lithium ion batteries. The results have been validated using two independent measurement techniques and show that large amounts of hydrogen fluoride HF may be generated. Well, I don't know uh, how many of you are chemists out there, but I do know that hydrogen fluoride gas is, is highly toxic, causes pulmonary edema, shuts your lungs down, causes brain cancer. But hydrogen fluoride gas uh, inert does those things. But when it makes contact with salt water or any clear water, non-salted water, uh, it turns into hydrofluoric acid. Hydrofluoric acid burns through glass and steel. It's the most toxic form of hydrogen acids because it's why it's a halide. So all of these uh, gases and fumes that come from burning lithium belong to the, the halide group of gas salts or salts that produce gas. And this is what lithium is. It's one of the reasons Mother Earth chose to bury lithium some 5,000 feet underground so that people couldn't access it because it's so highly toxic. Release of various number of toxic substances as well as uh, CO asphyxiant gas and CO2 induces anoxia during heating and fire. At elevated temperature, the fluorine content of the electrolyte and to some extent other parts of the battery, such as the polyvinylidene uh, fluoride, PVDF. So you're also looking at the, the plastic uh, housing uh, of uh, 2,000 pounds of lithium batteries combined with the lithium salt produces a, a polyvinyl fluoride gas and hydrogen fluoride. But unfortunately, the most toxic uh, thing from all of this is what's called phosphorus pentafluoride or PF5. And of course, there's phosphoryl fluoride, POF3. Phosphoryl fluoride, of course, will kill you, but uh, a phosphorus pentafluoride is quite nasty. Um, so phosphoryl Trifluorides, phosphorus, trifluoride oxide, and all of the oxide and halide gases that come from phosphoryl fluoride. And I've, I've posted a little molecular diagram of it. There's the chemical formula. Uh, the solubility of this uh, gas reacts with alcohol and acid, soluble in diethyl ether and hydrocarbons. So it's a tetrahedral molecular shape. And the main hazards are poison, corrosive, can form hydrofluorine on contact with H2O. So hydrofluoric acid in contact with water. That's very sad for any uh, animal life in the ocean. So what parts of the batteries in the space shuttle or the, I'm sorry, the International Space Station don't completely burn up in the atmosphere will impact a huge amount of uh, sea life off the coast of Chile. And we've discussed this, the NASA, U.S. government, a lot of the other friendly governments like to dump their space trash into that pristine water off the coast of Chile, Peru, and Argentina because there's so few people out there. 
So it's a great place to dump your trash and nobody seems to really care. So let's just do it. Well, phosphorus pentafluoride is a colorless, poisonous, non-flammable compressed gas with a pungent odor. It is extremely irritating to skin, eyes, and mucous membranes. It is very toxic by inhalation and can cause pulmonary edema. Toxic and corrosive fumes are generated when this material is exposed to water or steam. Prolonged exposure of the containers of fire may, may result in their violent rupturing and rocketing. So there's the chemical safety stuff there and it's corrosive and has a skull and bones for acute toxic. So it's a, an acute toxicity. This is a highly, highly toxic material, phosphorus pentafluoride. So let's just get past all of that. There we go. So I put up the PF5 Lewis structures for the uh, pentafluoride, the molecular geometry, bond, angle, and shape. And you guys can have a look at that so you know what other uh, uh, chemicals and gases they can combine with while burning in the atmosphere. Now, uh, before I move on to something more positive, I just wanted to say <clears throat> it would be a lot more cost-effective and a lot less dangerous if they would take some of the retro rockets on the ISS, add a couple of boosters at a cost of about 2 or $3 million dollars, and go ahead and shoot the ISS into the sun because the ISS is so, 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 so tiny. It would be like a particle of dust the size of a molecule landing on your eye and it would cause absolutely no damage. So the sun is a great place to burn up the toxic ISS without killing millions of life forms here on earth. We're so tired of the government saying, this is the solution, let's burn it up. And then we put it on the news as a giant streak of fire in the air. Well, unfortunately, halide gases stay up in the atmosphere for a long, long time, all right? They're an inert gas, so they go high up in the atmosphere, and they react and they combine when they get frozen. When you're up in the ionosphere, you're going to start meeting other things like strontium, uh, hydrofluorocarbon combinations. And so those gases and those molecules will mix and freeze together to just another cycle of toxicity up in our upper atmosphere. So what we want to do is anybody want to reach out to NASA? They have uh, uh, NASA.org, NASAGov.org, and uh, a National American Space Agency.com. You can go on there and you can voice your concerns about why they're not considering sending the ISS to the sun instead of burning it through the Earth's atmosphere and putting over a ton, a ton of highly toxic fluorine gas into our atmosphere let alone all of that lithium into the ocean. So I'd like you guys to remember that being an ambassador and being connected to Gaia means that I need to share information with you that's of a timely nature. So I know some of the things that I bring up are depressing or not very interesting because you want to hear about la, 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 this is my friend. But uh, what I'd really like to do is impress upon you guys that I'm trying to do my job as a Taurus ambassador here on Earth. And that means liaising our community of people who love Gaia unconditionally and who have spirits and angels and uh, beyond earth sentience in our lives. But we want to share that experience with people who think that life is just a box and it's rote. You have to pay your tax, build bombs, go to bed and die. All that stuff's nonsense. We want to help everybody, not just ourselves. So let's take a bite of another type of cake. This is uh, on loan by permission from Paranormal Crucible. And she is just an amazing human being. This is one of the longest running, most honest, uh, Beyond Earth Sentient and Interstellar Conveyance websites on the internet. And inter, uh, Paranormal Crucible has been on YouTube and probably Twitter and all the other social media, but you guys know I'm not a social media guy. 
Uh, it's been on YouTube for the longest time. And when I first had my physical contact uh, and was returned, I found out of the many, many websites and stations that I'd visited on all sorts of different platforms that Paranormal Crucible was one of the best and that her stuff was really reliable. So she's put something up because you guys all know I like to follow the sun. She's put something really interesting up. So it's a cross-shaped object appears next to our sun. Another interesting object I found, and this is quoting her at Paranormal Crucible, another interesting object I found next to the sun, this time something that looks like a cross or maybe a craft with wings. However, a ship with wings wouldn't have much use in the vacuum of space, so I would speculate it's probably an alien space station. Over the years, there have been many strange objects photographed near the sun, and this is no exception. It's obviously not a data uh, particle. So um, I've got a little block here that says I'm screen sharing, and it says I can't read the very top line, but it says over the years, something, something, objects photographed near the sun, and this is no exception. It's obviously not a data glitch. Once you accept the geometry of the object and its overall design, it's pretty obvious it's something artificial. It would be logical to assume that an advanced extraterrestrial civilization would send probes out into the universe, either for exploration, data collection, etc., or in the search of other intelligent species. After all, we do the same. So in my opinion, this object is a probe of sorts. The wings could be panels that collect sunlight or plasma radiation from the sun. Stars have seemingly endless energy reserve, so it makes sense. So she's posted this amazing uh, plasma bright it looks like a Coptic cross, an ancient Coptic crucifix, you know? So it's just the the one vertical line and then the horizontal beam, but in the center of the vertical line where it crosses over and it's normally like the rest of the, the cross, it's a half circle. That's an ancient Coptic one. You see those in uh, 12th century churches in Romania and in uh, uh, Slovenia and Transylvania. So It kind of looks like an ankh. I just yeah, had to it, say it that. Also, yeah, it also looks like an off. But of course, you know, the Coptics borrowed a lot of that mysticism from ancient Egypt. So here's a close-up I did from, uh, I did a screenshot of her find. And this is absolutely beautiful. I mean, she has such an eye when she sees this kind of stuff. And this is one of the reasons I was a suspicious observer on Ben Davidson's site for so many years that uh, it turned out I was a veteran observer after seven or eight or nine years. But uh, Ben is always quick to to uh point out when something's a comment and so i emailed her back at paranormal crucible and i asked her if she had sent that off to ben davidson yet and to see what his reaction would be because i know ben doesn't like to promote off-world species and i i'm in my heart of hearts i i know ben realizes they're around but you won't get him to talk about it publicly but what a fantastic photograph so hats off to paranormal crucible they're my uh, go-to uh, website uh, for really legitimate stuff. And of course, the other one is UFO Matrix. And UFO Matrix is a killer site to go and see all kinds of ships. And of course, there's some uh, download messages from yours truly on UFO Matrix. So I recommend everyone go check that channel out. Here's a ship. And let's just call it a big blue blob. This is a close-up of a ship. I did two videos. The one we did after the podcast and then a couple nights later, I took another video of one flashing uh, to the horizon. And originally, I thought it was a star, but then I realized it was flashing so irregularly and, and violently that it was a ship sitting out there trying to get my attention. So, um, uh, yeah, 
that's a photograph of it. And I didn't want to take a whole bunch of pictures and just say, this is what it finally came out to be, but this is what I photographed. And it's a close up. This was about probably 50 or 60 miles over the ocean away from the coast here in Hermosa beach. But that was pretty cool. So whoop, let's go. like <laughs> Great. So we'll just leave it on the ship. So, Really importantly, you know, as we delve into the the mysticism of the past and how it applies to our spiritual lives today, the mysticism of uh, Gnostic teachings, the mysticism of ancient uh, uh, magical school teachings, the mysticism of self, Tibetan Tibetan liturgy, uh, studies of philosophical virtue from the ancient Greeks and the Etruscans and the previous generations. Uh, all the way back to uh, Sumer. We have to take pause and remember that this dimension, this time that you're living right now on the earth, still have to keep one foot down on the ground, folks. And I know it looks like a shit show out there sometimes. They're trying to pedal off some false version of reality on us. Only take those things that give you joy and remember that the rest of it is all contrivance to make you off balance. So we want to stay focused. Tonight, we're going to talk about staying focused. We're going to talk about legitimacy of friendships, legitimacy of, of sharing ideas and growing together as friends and a community. I love the fact that uh, after as much time I've spent on uh, Star Chat and also on Lowell's uh, channel doing different interviews that I haven't had too many people come on to contest me. I think that's one of the relative freedoms that we are afforded by not being a mega popular site because I, I don't go on other sites anymore, but I remember looking at some of those other uh, cartoon UFO sites uh, and they're, they're having 50,000 or 60,000 or a hundred thousand followers. And you got to laugh because there's these people who are hell bent on leaving these 2000 word long statements on their, on their channels about how none of this is real and the earth is flat or that, you know, Jesus Christ is our only savior and that we're all demon demon worshipers unbelievable amount of stuff when you're trying to have a higher consciousness and reach out to god and reach out to the heavens to say hello to our special friends who live on other worlds and some of them live in their ships and they're visiting us and so we just sort of have to enjoy the visitations while they come i'm a little curious to ask everybody if they've managed to spend some time going out into your garden to look up at the stars and to clear your mind and to let your heart speak through your seventh chakra. You see, one of the nicest things about communicating with our friends from other worlds is they feel and see the energy of your heart, you see. And in some ways, when they used to consider the heart as the center of humanity's observational intelligence, it made a lot of sense. Your heart produces a a, a, a beautiful thumic vibration. It produces a frequency and a harmony that speaks for millennia. You know, it's much more easy to be of one heart and of one mind and share the value of eternal joy. And our heart provides that energy. So we allow our heart chakra, chakra to travel up through to the crown, the center of the crown of our seventh chakra. And this is like seven needles of light. They're all on a sort of a 
45 to 62 degree angle, shooting up like a king's crown from the top of your head at all times. So if you really want to effectively communicate with beyond earth sentience, you must know the thoughts of your heart. You must feel and understand what the thoughts of your own heart are. Only you understand your deepest feelings. Only you understand that which you are capable of sharing. If you're not willing to share your deepest feelings and the deepest reality of your understanding of who you are as a species with our friends above, then they won't contact you. It's an absolutely honest experience. It comes straight from the heart. Your seventh chakra, your crown chakra, is your plasma beam. And it goes from the bottom soles of your feet all the way through your spine, you know, that beam of light that passes through all of your chakras, which connects you and makes you one whole divine being. That heart energy, well, it's constantly pumping out through the very center top of your head, through the center of that crown. And this is what they see. They see electrical impulses like a flashlight turning on and off. And some of us have a very bright heart and some of us have a little dim flashy heart. But those little dim flashy hearts can also be very strong. And they pay attention to little flashy hearts too. But the more you concentrate on releasing the truth of what you believe you are and ask honest questions and ask honestly for assistance, then you'll receive it. There's no doubt about it. There's thousands of us doing it right now and it doesn't cost a penny. Just go out and be real and remember that it's all true. Everything that's going on is all true. Not the conspiratorial nonsense that we have to laugh at and forgive people for talking about, but the things about giants and underworld civilizations and off-world civilizations, all of it's true. And it's all been kept from us. And this is a divine secret which has been released to humankind in the last hundred years in order to save us and to remind us of who we once were and what this beautiful fairy tale fairyland planet used to look like when goblins and gnomes and elves and fairies and pixies ruled the forests and giants walked amongst mankind. Those days may be gone in this moment, but they can still be supported because these creatures, entities, and beings still exist in this dimension. They have a role, they have a soul, and they want to let that soul role play out in this reality. Your job also is to remember that Though you may aspire to loftier goals, though you may aspire to higher ideals and higher ways of thinking and communicating with the creator, remember that you're still a human and take some joy in that. Don't try and escape what you're feeling. Those feelings were given to us by sources, part of our corporeal being to understand the 100% of the lesson that we're all to learn so hold on to your feelings and love them. Sometimes they're not good feelings. That's okay. They are part of you, so you must embrace them as well. To love yourself means to forgive yourself and to love all of the experiences that come your way. Let these experiences shine truthfully, shine forth from your heart 
right up that bright channel of light that penetrates your body from the soles of your feet straight through your crown because they will see that light. And you know, the creator sees that light too. And we're all little creatures and little souls and wonderful little angels here on this planet under God's love, under the love of Gaia, under the love of source and source loves us. And we have to return that love in the form of acknowledgement. We want to acknowledge that love. So let's talk about what it's like to have a friend come over to your house from another planet. When someone comes into your house and they're visiting from another planet, you're oftentimes caught doing something mundane like going to the bathroom or doing the dishes or harnessing the dog to take out for a walk. And then all of a sudden, time slows down. It's almost like you can hear light. And it kind of goes, and you feel a little slower. Oftentimes, with the type of species that comes into my house, the light, whatever the light is, it turns golden. The light becomes like golden light. And then I know I better put down whatever, whatever I'm doing <clears throat> pardon me, and expect to see one of them. And indeed I do. And I'm expecting some visits coming up in January, everybody. And I know that uh, Toth will be coming down on January 7th to speak to me from the Armada on the backside of Saturn. This is going to be a big event. And the last time uh, the entity that came in, the avatar of Eron, allowed me to take photographs. So I expect you guys, that they will continue to do so. And I'm going to ask them this time for some video footage. And this is a big deal because we have a very powerful relationship as friends. It's been very open and honest. I've told them that anytime they want to do something to me or examine me, they're more than welcome to. And they appreciate that because it makes them easier to study our species. And then, um, they allow me access to other divine experiences with them. And it's a trade. It's a symbiotic trade. Remember that when they get involved with you, when you start to have that relationship where they're speaking to you and you've allowed your heart vibration to pass from your seventh chakra and their ships flew over and they saw your light from your soul and they followed that light down until you saw their ship. Remember that it's a mutual relationship, that nothing in life is free, but there are equitable trades to be made when you want to be able to change the nature of the way that you think and change the nature of the way that you are on the correct path. You see, after a while, the part of being on a better path becomes less of a chore. And they explain that to you as a form of energy and that it takes a certain amount of personal energy away from your daily abilities so that you have to either have a reserve of energy or you're going to have a few days that you're feeling a little slow and a little tired. And the reason that you're going through this, I feel a little slow, I feel a little tired, is that this part of the ambassador training program for all of you means that your energy levels are being zapped by some of the higher authority which means your dream state, your REM state, uh, your astral projecting state, your meditation state, or for those of you that are in direct contact, 
they require a little bit of energy and your body needs to use a little extra energy when they share large packages of information. Remember that not all of the packages of information that come from beyond Earth sentience are in the form of flashing light. There are heart messages. There are messages that come in the form of waves that only your heart responds to. I know that many of you are uh, in favor of discussing the Schumann resonance. Um, I myself have had a bit of experience with that as a techie guy. And I'm not a big fan of uh, whatever source we're receiving the information from. But I do believe there is a Schumann resonance. I'm just, uh, I'm not sure the, the validity of the information source. But this heart energy, that they can transfer a message to your heart, which means it's an emotional pulse. It's a pulse of exotic energy that makes you feel fulfilled. It isn't a flash of information that tantalizes your intellect. It isn't a thousand pages of technical data that your mind will store and utilize later when it's time. Though all of those are forms of information that they share with us, depending upon our own psychological, emotional, and intellectual need. For those of you that crave uh, intellectual boost, all you have to do is ask them. For those of you that crave an emotional lift, all you have to do is ask them. And listen, they're working for source. Okay. Beyond Earth sentience don't have some obligation to humanity. This is not a permanently ongoing thing. It's been very clearly expressed to me that they come down every so often or when they really need to, to wake us back up, to show us that we're loved and that we're cared for, and that we need to be with Gaia, that we need to be with our dear mother and protect all animals, regardless of the cost to ourselves, to never support any industry that harms the earth. These are all things that we need to do dil diligence on to make sure that we are compliant to the needs of Gaia, which is being vociferous against government mistakes. Part of your role as an ambassador is to keep one of your feet planted firmly on the ground. Because it's all well and good to go chiming off to the fifth, sixth, seventh dimension to go talk to some avatar from Venus. Let me tell you, we still need you to work in this life to make this reality a better place than it was than before we arrived. This is all part of the package that you receive when you feel this interesting heart thumic vibration that comes to you and it's warm and it's bright pink and it just is one of the sweetest feelings you'll ever get because when they tantalize my intellect and send me information that helps me with my thinking processes or makes me smarter or it makes me able to download different exotic technology diagrams and think about applications that we can use here on earth that are non-weaponizable a lot of my time is processing discernments, intellectual discernments about how much I can share and how much I can't share. But that's the fun aspect of the technology that I've asked for. And that's the fun aspect of the higher mathematics and the theorem that I asked for. That doesn't make me special. But it gives me an intellectual taxation because the message has been strong. And I know you guys remember me talking to Lowell a couple months ago. 
about we need to pressurize ourselves to evolve. We need to task ourselves to cerebrally evolve. Because once you do, even though you may not think about creating a, a intellectual puzzle for yourself so that you are stimulating your mind and your logic centers, just the very act of thinking about your own brain stimulates stimulates regions of your brain that would allow you to have higher cognition because you're actively pursuing a relationship with your own consciousness. So for all of the quantum mechanics that I had to be fed and for all the stuff I've read and then the lucky occasions I've had to speak to some really interesting physicists, I've come to the conclusion that the only thing that's really valid about the existence factor is consciousness itself. We're conscious of one another. We have a vast loving consciousness as a consciousness network across the entire universe. And that's not a collision with telekinesis or ESP or the Thuman pulse, the love pulse. We don't, uh, we don't have any clashing connections. Everything is in harmony. So they would like to speak to your heart as much as they would to your mind. Remember that I discuss these things openly and with a cavalier lifestyle, guys, because this is a, you know, this happens to me all the time. I'm constantly getting messages and I love it. I'm constantly seeing ships and they allow me to take pictures. And this is why I'm moving to the next stage. That's why I'm going to ask them when they come in, if I can take video. Because it's important for you guys. It's the final part of the final process of you going, holy smokes. You know, it's the, the final process of you seeing how they can be with you in a loving companion way and realize that everything we learned was nonsense. But you're finding this on your own. The powerful nature of your mind that allows you to make friends with yourself is much, much more important than the powerful relationship that you develop or design to have relationships with beyond its sentience. They only concern themselves about you. They want you to be happy. So Lola and I were talking a couple of days ago. And it's, it's not beyond our sentience responsibility to be in charge of you or your emotional well-being. They want to hear from you when you're well, when you're well on your way. They want to hear from you when you've made the conscientious choice to be honest with yourself and release those things that are inside your heart and not be afraid of what you are and expose yourself to God, expose yourself to his messengers, expose yourself to archangels because surely it is they as the hand of the divine creator who will come and meet you and reach you when the time comes for all of us to rejoin source. So there's nothing wrong with developing an open, honest and friendly relationship with our guardian angels and the creator. Now, this is a very important step in being honest with entities from other worlds. They're just like, beautiful pure animals here on the planet octopus or beautiful tropical fish or snow leopards or um you know elk and caribou or you know golden trout and elephants and zebu it doesn't matter what the animal is they all have an innocent 100 percent innocent soul 
in a beautiful relationship to feel the energy of Gaia. And she will do what she must to protect her children. We are still Gaia's children. And this means that we have a responsibility to our mother. And all of you know that, so I don't have to repeat that over and over again. So when they come into your house, what you feel is, oh my gosh, I'm being visited. And for the most part, when you get to the kind of relationships that I've been having with these different species, you realize if they're going to make a physical appearance because some of the lights go on and off in your house. And for me, the light in my uh, sitting room goes on and the light in my office goes off. And that's what they do to tell me that they're actually going to come into the house. You have to develop different relationships with whoever you decide to contact. Many years ago, four or five years ago, I was discussing with Barbara Lamb about the entities that we meet, the entities that we're supposed to meet that are attached to our heartstring. And Barbara and I both sort of at the same time realized that you are meant to meet the entity that comes from following your heart path down from outer space. You see, they, they see this light from your soul, however gentle or however bright, they see this light and follow it down to you. And then they wait to see if you hear them or if you feel them or if you see them. And then they want to know what your reaction is. And they want to see right away somebody who loves life somebody who thinks life is precious and they want to see somebody with an honest soul reach up to them and spread your arms and your hands open to the heavens and smile and send your heart up into space because it's so important there's so many loving entities and angels floating all around us all the time and the most important thing that you can do to help them is to recognize them and give them your good positive love energy Right now, the world needs heroes and the world needs people full of positive love, energy, compassion, and kindness. When there's so many things that seem that are crazy and out of control or completely without morals and just terrible, terrible things that are going on, remember that you can affect positive change by disconnecting from partaking, watching those things through electronic media, but recognizing that they're there and you can send positive healing energies from people into the areas that need it the most. And this simple act, which costs you hardly any energy, it certainly doesn't cost you any money, and perhaps only costs you two or three minutes of a day. Isn't it a valid thing to want to spend at least three or five or ten minutes of your day in service to others just merely by praying? You know the power of prayer is true. Prayer does work, and prayer is a very awesome, powerful thing. When we love each other and we send healing thoughts to each other, we are very powerful. And I've seen miracles. And I know my friends who are ambassadors that are within the Beyond Earth Sentient uh, community have all witnessed miracles through the power of prayer. Because I've asked for prayer for friends over the years that I've been exposing my story and my analysis and what I know about beyond earth entities. I've also utilized the power of prayer and all of you have helped send prayers out. The, the prayer that we did 
uh, in the summertime, towards the end of summer, the last day of the month, that reverberated through many, many star systems within our galaxy. I received tons of positive feedback from that, you guys. So the power of your minds are so precious, but it's more important for you to remember that before you reach out to contact what you believe is a beautiful entity who will give you the compassion and love you deserve as a species, remember to give yourself the compassion and love first. Remember, it's much more important to work on those beautiful facets of your home life, the beautiful gifts of our children, the beautiful gifts of our future. And it's a wonderful thing to spend some time at home going through your bric-a-brac and cleaning. It's a wonderful thing to do a little feng shui in our home. And it's really important to actualize your existence in this dimension so that you can affect a positive change. Remind yourself that you're here, that you have a job and a role. You don't have to wait for some demigod to show up from another star system to tell you that you have a role to play. It's common sense. All of us are better people for knowing this. All of us can be much, much better people by just thinking about this, regardless of how much time we spend actually pounding the pavement, trying to affect positive change across the planet. We all do things that have many good sources of information, which we can support and follow. And so I send love and general good feelings out to all of us in tribe and all of the people who are learning about tribe, all the people in the government services and military, sending out positive vibrations of love and healing out to everybody right now. We want to send positive feelings and hope for the future that humanity stops using petrochemicals in their homes, the form of air fresheners and vanish drop-ins and blade plug-ins, which will only cause brain cancer and spoil your genetics if you're going to have children. We want to stop eating chemicals and food. And we want to stop the use of pesticides, herbicides all over the United States. All that has to stop right now. It all has to stop. So we may not be able to stop these things absolutely right now. But let's think about it and maybe make mention of it casually to people who need to hear it. That's always a nice way to start a conversation. Things that we need to think about. Things that ground you in this reality. Because indeed... When your heart swells with the love of consciousness, then this reality becomes sort of minuscule as we move into the next one. But remember to prepare yourself to begin these relationships with your guardian angels, with your archangels, with the Lord, with the great creator, with source, with Gaia. Fulfill these relationships by proving that you're worthy of only producing love, only producing compassion, only producing helpfulness for yourself and for those around you. And continue to do those acts of kindness and those lovely things that you do for your family, whether they're recognized or not, continue. Be a good person. It's, gosh, oftentimes harder than it is to make some money and be a rotten person, right? Be a good person. But, you know, we all know it takes less muscle energy in the face to smile than it does to frown. So why are we doing all that hard work and helping out the bastards? <laughs> so everybody think about the things that I had spoken about. Take them to heart. 
use the bits that you like, chuck out the rest, because I trust that all of you have a deep sense of common sense, a deep sense of family values and morality that works for you. And remember, that's part of the wonderful thing about being an American is that we can all have our own virtues and all have our own morality, but just not stuff them down the throats of your neighbor. Keep them to yourself. And if they're if they help you become a nice person, bully for you. That's what it's all about. Lowell, have you got anything you want to add to uh, my contact information about the different types of messages, not just the flashes that we receive from Chip, but that um, they speak I, to us in ways? I feel a little selfish because I actually asked for a lot of this content. Um, um, no one would know that, but I have known for some time that contact between myself and the Lemurians and yeah. what they suggested my first visit to tell us, the, the more... <laughs> extraordinary experiences I'm around with other people who have extraordinary experiences with other dimensional beings, it kind of brings it full circle because I had been so focused, Dave, on my connection with the Lemurians and my excitement, my my eagerness for them to reestablish contact with the surface and all the things that will benefit from that exchange. It's going to be great. Nowhere on my radar, my friend, until you freaking came along and opened the door for my <clears throat> experiences with BES, that was nowhere on my radar. And so it's very much in my field now, and I see a different kind of bridge that's taking place. And so when I'm an infant now, um, I want to uh, admit to my ignorance when I ask about how those communications take place. So the other day when um, got, you would ask me if I was outside and I said, no, the conditions weren't really right. The, the instructions you gave me from them, um, Venus was below the horizon and nothing really panned out at the time. So you lodge that information away to revisit it later when the conditions are right in the meantime i explained to you well yeah i got this laser so i i thought I'd go out and flash my only frame of reference of course has been in a couple scenarios where it appeared as though they got responses and then you gave me the education that i needed to get from another experiencer that really blinking a laser up in their direction um may or may not be effective but from your perspective there's a better way and a way that we should focus our attention on and sure. so when you took the video that we posted of your experience the night after your podcast and broke that down and it wasn't just the there are several levels of awesomeness that night the fact that they were even there and then when you start to break it down the the fact that we saw the light and you're right if i was looking at the in, entirety it would have looked like the brighter part of the light was like off to the right and as soon as you called it bang that thing it, it faced in your direction so the idea that it responds to you asking for its attention because you've already established a relationship 
uh, I want to understand the mechanics, so I make it simpler and easier for myself. Well, that's really an uh, accurate way to look at it. The mechanics of developing that kind of relationship are based on how, how much you want to receive. Because remember, um, many of us are still coping with a type of fear flight response that's based on our pre-brain and our early enzymatic responses, which has always been a problem for our species. We make a lot of decisions based on emotions rather than logic. Well, this ship photograph that I put up is a perfect example of that. It's a beautiful uh, oval uh, with some sort of beautiful energetic field coming from the center. It has mass. It uh, has geometry. And it's just a ship. And this is the curious thing about relationships. All right. So that here's part of the mechanics of the relationship that you can have is you don't know who's visiting, but you know they're watching. Because when you start to develop a closer and closer relationship, they can make mathematic changes inside of your enzymatic production areas of your amino acids, your enzymes that control your limbic system, your pituitary gland functionality. Flashing lights can also decalcify a pituitary gland. You don't need a special, special diet and a special harmonic. Those things all help. But flashing lights can also do the same thing. So the mechanics of this is this could be, you know, blippity blankety blue ship from planet bloop. It doesn't matter because they know that I have a relationship. So at this point now, all of them have been trading like my signature card. You know how we used to collect like bubblegum cards, you know, and they would be like favorite baseball players. It's almost the same thing with these guys. They'll have a light chip that represents my entire life, and they'll share it amongst each other, saying, look, if your ship crashes down at Hermosa Beach, go see this guy. He'll take care of you, right? <laughs> so it's that. Yeah. So I don't have to know who they are, and I certainly I may have received a light message from them because that light was pretty damn amazing. This is the second video I took. And so it doesn't really have to be, hi, David, this is, you know, Blim Blam from the galaxy of, uh, you know, K91CKP. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. What it is is they, they're all attuned now. So they've handed out my baseball card to all the different species that are flying around this quadrant of our galaxy. We're in what's known as the local group. And so we have things nearby, Alpha Centauri, Kepler, uh, the Pleiades, Taurus. We have all these beautiful constellations that are actually nearby when you consider their type of hyperdynamic physics. When you think yeah. of the type of super uh, dynamic physics, the type of mathematics that they use to fold and bend space, to release time, to, to stop time, whatever they're doing to travel through wormholes, to zip around from these vast distances, it's far beyond my ability to, to really spend time concentrating on it. I, I always think it's funny when, you know, I try and take a stab at the mathematics and I, I listen to lots of other so-called experts taking a stab at mathematics. I think we should just use our intuition. Let's use our intuition. So this ship showed up. It's magnificent, sort of duck egg blue. And it has that beautiful white light in the center. And it, it didn't make me feel anything in particular. I didn't feel calm or excited. It was like, oh, they're observing me. So I took a couple of pictures of them. And this is, you know, this is what it comes to. You know, when, when they want to have a friend as a, a human friend, 
they will send you specific lights that laminate up. They're one and two dimensional flat light panels that laminate up until you can see through them. And it's a three dimensional mathematic message, which stimulates a part of our brain, which produces an amino acid to create action. So we'll see this cumulative light stacking inside of our brain. It's turned into a biophoton. Remember I showed that beautiful uh, artist's impression of a biophoton when the lights flash in your own neur mm -hmm. neurons in your brain? So it's the same kind of thing. They'll stack up the information. They'll produce a three-dimensional light package that actually impacts your limbic system and makes you feel a certain thing or makes you go and do something. So that's how they build relationships. And it's up to how your brain is hardwired or whether or not you're going to accept the information and get it the right way. It takes many years before this ship, if it comes back, it'll probably be 20, 30, 40, 50 visits before they even start talking to me, right? So you well, never, some of these species are so exotic, they're made out of like light. So it's like- When you started to describe different visitors you'd had in your own realm- after your original experience with Kim Jim and that tribe, um, that's when we kind of started to wonder, wait a minute, these have to be other species that Dave's been told about. He's safe, he's comfortable. And so just like we're curious about them, they're sending their ambassadors here as kind of, uh, they're doing fam tours to tell the others what to expect when they come to earth. And oh, sure. you, my friend, you were a great, you as an ambassador, that's a perfect word for it. But you now, you as part of your ambassadors have a whole activation phase that you play. And so you okay. see what you did in my case, right. you were my activator to right. access of all that information and awareness and openness to it. Now you've just opened the door for me, as you say, to invite in as much as I want. Right. Because it's, it's almost like you think back about the, the mystic, the mystic teachings, the mystic school, mystery school. Think about mm -hmm. mystery it's a um, spiritual academia. That's non-religious. Yes. So you have the you go to so what I see for my future, okay. So I'm going to tell you guys this is a funny image that I received from them, and them being different beyond Earth species that I haven't met personally, but I know they're watching because they show me their ship all the time, and I know it's okay to take pictures because I'm not a wacko and I'm not going to make money off of them. So, so here's the thing: I take these pictures, I start to develop a picture of their idea of what a human friend is right because i'm always trying to put myself in someone else's moccasins i don't like coming into somebody's life and changing their life by the very nature of my being i want to sort of step in as an invited guest and not push too hard to see what it is that makes me fit in or doesn't fit in you know so i'm never afraid of relationships because either you just you fit in or you don't so I've got a picture of what they're doing and what they're doing is giving human beings multiple exposure exercises so that you join what's like a spiritual academia. 
can you see yourself as a Harvard professor in a tweed jacket with leather elbow patches, a pipe, a little beard, maybe some disheveled hair, some pince-nez glasses and a briefcase and then a bunch of scrolls under one arm and you're running down a glass floor that goes on what looks like for an eon and you're on a giant interstellar conveyance on the way to Broccoli. So it's like they're trying to put together a whole group, group of humans that can be comfortable together in transport, in academia. When you're on a ship together, oh, we're all here. It's, it's like, a, it's like a, a college that we're going to be on. We're flying to this planet to go receive extra training, and then they're going to return us. Right. So it's like an academics club for spiritual gurus and goofballs. I tell you, they love it when we are 100 percent accepting. Yes. I don't give a shit what people think. But what I do see is I see all of us sort of rushing onto a ship, trying to put together our credentials so that we can go on board and sit down in the rumpus room and have a laugh with species (laughs) that have three fingers. You know, this is. We have to get past this barrier of, are they real? Is that a UAP or a Tic Tac? You know, just do. So we have to get. You know, I, I do so want to point out and underscore. Like, you know, your wife, Ethel, goes, oh, Harvey, look, it's the neighbors. And it's like these little four foot tall guys that walk in going, you know, because they don't like turkey and they want to have turkey broth instead. You know, Whatever. But this is the point that we're going to have to get to if this is going to work and we're going to like develop this kind of realistic relationship, friendship. Everybody should have these guys over for Christmas. I'm telling you, it's just get over this whole thing. Like, is it real? You know, there are too many reasons that we've been jacked up to be afraid. I had an opportunity to talk with Paula for a bit this morning. She was traveling from one place to the other. Oh, yeah. And she finally, through a series of things, and you'll be inside uh, the loop on what's going on with her because it's it's just another member of the tribe going through it. She's had phases like last week where she just feels like she doesn't belong here. She just doesn't belong here. And I don't know shit. None of us do. We're all supposed to be on another planet. You know, now, well, then she re- she revealed that when she was younger, when she was a child, she had an interaction with something beyond this, and it scared her, and that's why she turned oh, away she, from it, like a lot that, of other did people. Did yeah, she already reveal that publicly? No, that was the first time I think mm-hmm. that she uttered it out loud because um, she realizes we have to overcome this fear of what we think they're going to be like when they're going to look nothing like us. Yeah. Well, let's get, let's get so much past that. It's like people that use the word ascension over and over again. It just makes me cringe. We're ascended. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ascension happened when you saw the thing. That's it. You've done it. You've ascended. Oh God, you know, the real, okay. I've ascended. Mm -hmm. Now I have to behave myself. All right. It's like you said, there's no, there's no mystery school where you have to like write down a whole bunch of different compositions, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then follow them. It's, That's not mystery school. That right. doesn't serve people on their individual journeys. Right. <laughs> There's it's no just, agenda that covers all of us in exactly the same way and honor that idea. 
Right. So that's why as an ambassador for the Taurus Galactic Council of Scientists and the Blues from Taurus, my role specifically is to only share what they've shared with me. That's why I'm never interested in saying, you know, this program's this and that program's that. There are no programs. It's go look at the sky, make your friends, have them come down or don't. Just tune into Star Chat. Listen to Dave Wallace talk about his friends. I mean, that's fine. It takes away some of the burden because the burden of the relationship is, and I say this every once in a while, you guys, be careful what you wish for. Because once you introduce yourself to them, you have to have some allowances to let them be themselves around you. That means if they want to necessitate change, they're going to be able to just take their beautiful long little finger and touch your forehead. And you're going to see this beautiful sparkly light. And you're going to be smarter when you wake up. This is the kind of stuff they do to you. So it's like, okay, you've allowed us into your home here's a light that I'm going to take out of my chest and I'll take their fingers and they'll take this little blue pulsating light out of their chest and they'll gently just touch your chest with it. And the light goes inside of you. And that little light, by the way, is real. And it allows me to have psychic communication with you and with Alex and with other people that we know and Nathan. So it's that light that they give us so that we know when we're in clan because you're either clan tribe or you're not because I don't expose my heart to strangers who think this is all a hullabaloo. This isn't a hullabaloo. This isn't mumbo jumbo from some dude because, Hey, I'm not selling anything folks. This is just my story. You've tuned in because you know, you pretty much you're right. I'm not a bullshit artist. This is, this is what's going on. And it is so fabulous that when this happens to anybody, you'd be nuts not to want to go public with this and say, look, look at this beautiful light that's in the sky. They allowed me to photograph it and share it with you guys. There's nothing on earth like this, you guys. And it's that beautiful proof. So yeah, Lowell, when I started that video and I said, hello, boy, they turned right around and went, oh, look, there's David. David sees us. Let's go talk to David because we have his emotional enzymatic pattern and we have his emotional energy light stored in this buffer that tells my ship to go and look for his light when we're in this part of the his planet. And so they're just, oh, yeah, there's David. And if I'm listening, they all want to talk at the same time. And we already talked about that. But it's, it's a beautiful thing. So they're going to have their own agenda. And I'm just a man. Like I said, hey, I still make mistakes, folks. You know, please, God, forgive me for being stupid or saying something really rude. But, you know, I still slip up. I don't ever want to be perfect. What kind of life is that? Who the hell wants to be with somebody who's perfect? <laughs> I just want to be fucking conscientious about the way others perceive me. Because I love people, you see. I spent many years of my life not being too sure if I loved people. But I do. I love everybody. And I can't help it. Even people that screw up really bad. We have to. It's the lot of our species. And so when they give you the gift and you know, oh, this is how my species was changed. They produced a cerebrum to sit on my enzyme sack so that I wouldn't just be, you know, food, sex and money, even though they're convincing us to go that way. They've allowed me the vision to see the higher roots that I may take within my own mind. 
that I might absorb things almost without reading them. It's like holding a book and, and feeling these ancient wisdom spirits speak to me. This is a beautiful gift. So we have to allow that change in a relationship. So I say, be careful what you wish for, because they're going to show up and they're going to go, oh, this needs changing. That needs fixing. Oh, you're a little fun. Oh, you got a club foot. Oh, you got a gamey leg. Oh, you got, you know, broken teeth. Well, we'll pull those and replace them or we'll fix those for you. Oh, oh you got a kidney problem in your left kidney. We're going to heal you. And they do it. They don't, they don't do it because they're going to manipulate you and ask you for a favor later. This isn't like the mob. All right. They come down and they go beep, boop, up, 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 and they make all these adjustments with you so that you can relax and have an intellectual conversation with them. They do these things to make you whole just so that you can take a breath and go, oh, wow, I no longer feel this dreadful guilt. I no longer feel, feel these horrible feelings of emotional pain. I don't feel these painful feelings anymore because everything's going to be okay. And they, those things are not for us to feel because our life is ours. We're sovereign beings. And so that's their agenda. And so when I realize that no matter what species comes into my home or that starts communicating, they've all been great. They've all been conscientious. They've all been really, really helpful. So it's like, yeah, I got to get up and share this. And I'm, I'm so glad I chose Star Chat and Lowell Johnson's platform. I'd like to thank everybody for coming on this evening. It's been a beautiful star chat with you. Lowell, you're one of my dearest friends. I love your soul dearly. Thank you very much for your input. And anytime you want to say adieu, I'm ready just like you. Have a wonderful evening, everybody. Thank you for joining Star Chat. Talk to you next Thursday evening. Thank you very much.